It's me. Next up, in Live Zone. Two gamers, one video game podcast. This is amazing. Nothing but video games with all the fun. Tune into the Consumption Network for weekly podcasts and updates. Come on, let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another 1-0 podcast episode. I'm Next Step, the Next Step Above the Rest, and I'm here with... Monster, you know, we already back with another segment, another day, another day, another dollar. Let's get right into it. So we starting off with what broke this time. You know, everything's always breaking in the gaming industry. Nothing's perfect. You know, we want it to be perfect. I've said this many times before. Nothing's going to be perfect. And this time, fortunately, it's not destiny. For once. (laughs) (laughs) But for once, it's not the first one we're talking about. But I think this or this one's going to be a game we actually just talked about recently for Nintendo. So, surprisingly, Nintendo isn't one that's normally in the hot seat for making big oversights, but this one has allowed speedrunners to take full control of their times, and this is Super Mario Wonder. And with this game, it just came out, so obviously there's going to be some foresights that were missed for it, but at the same time, who would have thought that there was a skip that lets you skip three worlds, two to three worlds in the game? So, with that, would you still play this game because of that glitch? And does that break the immersion so, so much to where it's just unplayable? Or what do you think? I mean, this? I don't think it breaks the immersion by any means because the average player typically wouldn't really access this glitch just like playing the game as is. But um, that's true. I mean, I'm not really, not really sure how the average player would do it because there's a little bit of setup to it. Yeah. From what we've seen, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this glitch, and especially since it's mm-hmm. a two-player. Like, this isn't something that you can do one player, Yeah, right? you can't do the single player. Okay. Yeah, so one thing that we saw a lot was it was mostly focused on two players, so where one person would be teleporting to another location, but it would have to be either while they're in the air or if it, they were on the ground, you could teleport them either way. But my point is, or my idea is it kind of breaks the sequence for this. You know, it kind of ruins that whole check. And this is also Nintendo's fault where they didn't actually implement something to where it puts, you know, it makes sure that the player is doing what they're supposed to do when it comes to the storyline. So it doesn't really break immersion because y'all know how I am on immersion. So, I think, to me, I think it makes it somewhat unplayable. Unplayable? Um, I just, (laughs) to a degree. Honestly, I think it does, because think about it. If you have something like this in the game, like, I don't think, I mean, obviously not many people are going to use it, but the fact that it's there, people know, like, oh, yeah, I can just use this to get past this level, or, oh, yeah, I can use it to get past this world. I don't, I don't see how that can, you know, make the game too too playable for me. I mean, yeah, you got all these features, but what, what good is it if, you know, that exists. I mean, this has happened time and time again with Nintendo, though, because like when Tears of the Kingdom first came out, there was so many different glitches and exploits to duplicate items and stuff. Everyone was saying that that was going to ruin the game, and I mean, it kind of did for the people that were like trying to just get to the end of the game and essentially speedrun it straight to Ganon. You know, you got all the abilities right off the bat and makes it too easy. But, I mean, to get to... Uh, from level like one or I mean from world one or two all the way to like four, five or six is pretty huge. 
for the speedrunning community for this game. I mean, yeah, and not even just the speedrunning community. Think about, like, just the average player that's just like, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. I just want to get to the end of the game, or I just want to try something to the end of the boss. Like, they can just find another person and do this glitch. Like, it just, to me, it just kind of, it's a lack in foresight, you know? I really think that if Nintendo puts something where it just had a check, like, let's just say Destiny 2. You know, we talk about Destiny 2 a lot. We're both D2 veterans. You Have you noticed how a lot in the stories where you can't really skip ahead unless you've done that mission? And there's a check for that, like, you have to go through a certain cutscene, or you have to go through a certain I mean, mission. Like, there's certain checks that go on with that. Like, you have to do, let's look at Lightfall, you know? You can't, just, there's no glitch in place to where you can just skip ahead. I mean, for Destiny 2, the for Destiny 2, there's more just, like, load zones, necessarily. There's not, nece there's not really, like, like, I feel like it's pretty easy to skip things in Destiny 2 when you have the right setup, right? Because you could somewhat easily go under the map in certain, like, strikes or, uh, there's, there's definitely certain um, dungeons and stuff that I've seen where you can use a finisher and break through the wall and just glitch straight up to like the ceiling. I believe that happened in Duality once or twice. But that's true. I think yeah. I remember that. But I mean, glitching through like the whole game like that. I mean, glitching through like the end of a level. That's really nothing new in the gaming industry. To be yeah. To be fair, it's not. But I can't say I'm for it when it happens you know i'm always one to say like yeah I, i'm good for a glitch and i like when it's being used like to make money it's good to have it on the side but this is there's really no benefit to it other than increasing progress you're not getting extra currency you're not unlocking other characters this is more just something to where like oh yeah i want to get ahead perfect this is like like if we were talking about destiny again this is where if you wanted to skip from the first mission to the last mission just by clipping outside of the map like that to me that kind of breaks it and one thing i noticed is that nintendo gave the player the choice to be able to, like to be able to choose what world they can go to and that was the problem saying i mean in itself it's good that you have that choice but at the same time it's like saying okay pick wherever you want obviously going to try and break the rules and go into the ocean and swimming around it <laughs> like that to me that's just like what a, what a player would do but I don't know. For speedrunners, sure. This is good for them because now you can set a world record time for breaking the game. Congratulations. <laughs> but other than that, I think just for the average player, it doesn't... It's there. And I think that's the problem. Rather than knowing if people are going to use it, it's more of just saying, oh yeah, this is there. Because it's a map-breaking intended. That's the problem. It, well, yeah, it's not intended, but even so, it's like it's not corrected you know if nintendo was to pick up on something like this i'm pretty sure they're gonna see it and be like yo let's no we, we gotta take this out like now like look at destiny they're not if we wait at the same way bungie and destiny but bungie when they see a glitch they're like yeah, you know they what? Let go you ahead have, fun. have your fun they let you do your thing mm -hmm. exactly and nintendo's not really known for that they're they're just kind of like any other corporation they find a glitch they see it they're gonna correct it but this for a game that happened on release Come on, it's kind of giving me like Cyberpunk 2077 I mean, that's really, vibes. That's like, not I don't think new either because, like I said, Tears of the Kingdom had a bunch of problems on release. Pokemon even had a bunch of problems on release. Like there was huge, terrible lag spikes on release for uh, Scarlet and Violet. I mean, they eventually fixed that with like updates and stuff, but just the fact that they were there to begin with is ridiculous. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the fact that they were there. And even look at Cyberpunk 2077. The game was literally unplayable because of the amount of glitches that yeah. were in the game. And it's a similar thing with Super Mario Wonder. It's just like a simple glitch that lets you skip the maps. But to me, that seems like it's also unplayable because it's like you're literally just skipping the entire game. All of that content that they just worked to try and provide, gone. Like, you can just go through it and be like, oh, yeah, trophy got it whatever that being said it doesn't really hurt your save it's, file like you could always go back you could always go back to like the previous levels you could always go back to like you know finish the ones that you haven't yet so i feel like it wouldn't hurt the average player because even if they were to use this it's not like it's breaking the game to the point where those first levels those first worlds are like unplayable you know you could still go back to them yeah i mean it doesn't break the save file that is true i just I guess I'm looking at it from more of, like, a morale standpoint or, like, an ownership standpoint. Like, yeah, it's, like, the glitch is there. It doesn't hurt your save file. It doesn't, you know, break the game in the way that, you know, you lose your progress or you get your count banned or whatever. It's more of, like, owning up to the fact saying, like, yeah, I beat the game, but I didn't do it legit. You know, versus someone that spent, like, 9, 10, probably 24 hours because sometimes it takes people that long to beat a story. But... It's just that fact that it's like you have to own up to it, you know, being like, oh, yeah, I glitched through this rather than, oh, yeah, I went through each every level. But like we said with speedrunners, you know, that's what they do. They don't really care about the content. They're just trying to get to the end as fast as possible. And to me, I might get some beef for it, but I don't see the point in speedrunning it. Like, I, I, I just don't. It's like, a fun you, challenge. <laughs> you get a trophy. It's a fun challenge, sure. I mean, it's a nice competitive community. I do appreciate that. But at the end of the day you're holding a trophy for the fastest time i mean the other good thing about speedrunners though is if there were no speedrunners nintendo wouldn't know what to fix you know they would just sit there trying to figure out what's wrong with the game that has nothing wrong with it essentially in their eyes you know but the speedrunning community just like finds these glitches they try to figure out how to break the game so it's kind of good in like a weird kind of way to have these speedrunners attack all these games and stuff I mean, yeah, that is true, because anything that Nintendo might miss mm-hmm. is good for the community that they would pick up on it. At the same time, that would be the playtester's job. You know, they're literally hired to be able to be like, this is what, they're literally there hired to break the game. And it's like, okay, this is, I found this lapse in the judgment, this is where you're supposed to fix it. I found this one, this is where you're going to fix it, I found this. So, like, that's what they're there to do. So, if the community is able to pick up on something... Why wasn't the playtester? I mean, they must just be lazy you know, at Nintendo or something, because they've missed a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm really, I'm hoping that's not the case, but, you know, everyone's... It's all looking good. Sometimes they need a little dose of... <laughs> yeah, maybe they need a little dose of coffee or something. But, anyway, we're going to wrap up this segment. Thank y'all for tuning in. Let us know what you think about this Nintendo glitch. Does it make this game unplayable, or would you still try and fight Bowser? So, coming up next, we have a micro, or should I say, macro megabyte segment coming up. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a segment I like to call micro megabytes. Now, in this segment, Bungie's in the hot seat, and there's been... Again. There's been so much drama around them lately. I mean, there's been, there's been layoffs from the company itself it's been it's been pretty rough why don't you tell us a little bit about that next up yeah so 
as much as I want to call this a micro megabyte segment, we have a macro megabyte segment because when we say Bungie's in the hot seat, <laughs> that chair is on fire. All right. So what we got right now, we got things going from layoffs. You know, we've got things from the stats of Bungie 2 not being to where they wanted it to be. We have Bungie's official statement, which just came out today. We even have the CEO's con uh, comment on this whole situation and how Sony's involved in this. So we have a lot to cover for this. We definitely can't do it in our normal five minutes, so we got some time. <laughs> so we're going to start with the whole situation of Bun or Sony's acquisition of Bungie. You know, this was 2022. Everyone thought that this $3.7 billion deal was a great idea. You know, Bungie was known as a private corporation. They weren't owned by anybody, and before it was by Activision, but we all saw how that turned out. It was pay to win everywhere. So... With this, they always promise, yeah, there's not going to be any layoffs. There's not going to be any problems with the C or with the um, with the workers, and it's just going to be running on smoothly. Well, that was a <laughs> lie because <laughs> clearly there's going to be there was a ton of layoffs that unfortunately happened recently, and th so many departments were affected. And some of them I have here. We have production that was uh, affected, editorial, community management, which some of the biggest people in community management were laid off. Like, name big names in the community that people all across the Destiny community knew. Got talent acquisition and social media. The biggest thing for me is the fact that production, community management, and social media all were affected. And that's part of Bungie's core portion. Like, why would you lay off these kind of people, especially when they built a brand new headquarters? That's the thing. The deal with Sony, they made so much money, and they were bragging about how much money they made with Eververse, and they're bragging about this new headquarters when everyone works at home. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't... it's pretty crazy. Lately, I saw like a, I saw a tweet where uh, this person tweeted out just that one shader made almost like a little over $1,000 just by someone buying that in the Eververse store. I mean, just for one shader, specifically, just one little, one little thing, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, something that we overlook so commonly of just like, oh yeah, one shader and like the what hundreds that they have already made them thousands mm -hmm. of dollars. Like that's incredible. It shows how much money that they have to play around with, but are they allocating it properly? We'll get into that more, <laughs> but Getting into the layoffs also, you know, we talked about acquisition, how uh, this deal was supposed to be one of the biggest hit things for Bungie, and it was, because, you know, this is a time before Lightfall, before Witch Queen, and Witch Queen came out to be a huge success, but, you know, Lightfall, not so much, <laughs> but... Even now, in the after effect of Lightfall going into final shape, we have a ton of layoffs that unfortunately happened, which were all done in secret, mind you. They weren't even done like in a professional setting. A lot of these people woke up with, I think it was October 30th when this started. So they woke up October 30th with these emails and these 15-minute meetings that were scheduled in their calendars to where it's like secret layoffs. And they were just kind of told like, hey, we're going to have to let you go. Sorry. That's pretty much how I that I believe they went. did get compensation, though. That, did they not? Kind of. Kind of. Because they had one day to get... I forget what it was called, but there were benefits. So they had one day to actually get their benefits. And it was October 30th. That It was October 31st since it ends for a layoff. It ends at the end of the month. 
So they had one day to scramble, get all the receipts, get everything together, and hand it in to get those benefits. Like, that's... Why would you tell someone that at that time? Like, I can get if they were misbehaving, you know? I can get if they were just be acting malicious. But these are people that were names. They were huge in the Destiny community. Like, what were they thinking? What was upper management? This is really what it is. It's upper management. What were they thinking to say, oh yeah, this, they gotta go. This name, per name brand person, they're not making the money. They gotta go. Like, Michael Salvatore, the one guy that made Taken King, that made Rise of Iron, that made Destiny 2, all of this, gone. It's ridiculous that they would get Gone. rid of such a huge person in the community. Right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, why he was the one that literally made the music what it was in Destiny. And I'm, I'm honestly pissed because the fact that they got rid of such a big name, someone that, you know, that background music that just kind of gets you amped and you're like there, you're fighting, you're ready. They got rid of him. And because the only reason that they found this out is because on his... Um, I think it was his work por work portfolio or something like that. It listed all of his destiny accomplishment, and all of that was wiped to gone fishing. So that's how people knew, like, he's gone from destiny. So, and now they're gonna try. Apparently, what they're gonna try and do is outsource to other people that can try and do it when they shouldn't have gotten rid of him in the first place, because Sony wasn't happy with the quota that they hit, or Bungie upper management wasn't happy with the quotas that they hit, like. Who? It baffles me, honestly. I can't even find the words for it because it's like common sense would tell you this is what the community loved. This is what they wanted to do. And you know what's funny is the community management and the social media team was literally begging the upper management, telling them these are the changes that the community wanted. These are what they were trying to get. This is what they're saying. And upper management just like, away from me, peasant. Whatever, I don't care. You're not making me you the think, big bucks. You think like, they're the reason that uh, that Destiny actually doesn't listen to their community because they yeah because management? they get rid of so many of these important people and they just don't care. They only care about money. What I'm seeing, and I really hate to say this, what I'm seeing is Bungie become more like EA. They're only about the money, and I hate Sadly, to say that's that accurate. because you know that's accurate. Yeah, because you know. Bungie was so focused on their community for the longest period of time and now with all of this going on they're just focused on money and guess when that happened with Sony and I'm a PlayStation per person so this also hurts to say but Sony ruined it they ruined this whole thing Activision started it Bungie corrected it everyone was happy Sony got acquired everyone's unhappy like this it's such a lack in judgment, and I see why this would be a good idea from a business standpoint. You see a $3.7 billion deal that literally triples the position that you're at. You're obviously going to take it. So they didn't expect it to turn out this way. But at the same time, there's choices that they could have made up to this point to say, all right, this is clearly not where we want to be. We need to take a step back and be like, this is what the community wants. This is where we need to be. How can we merge these two and make it? I got a question. Do you think that Bungie would be in the same place that it's at now, like successful-wise, if they never took that deal with Sony? Um, I'm going to say no. Because I don't think they would be at the same spot. Because $3.7 billion for a business, a smaller business, 
a privately owned one? I mean, one? they've been doing so That's well a lot to of that money. point, though. Like, they had a lot of bangers for content up to that point. That is true. That is true. But, I mean, at the same time, if you propose with a deal that's that big, for a company that's their size, yes, D- or Bungie is pretty big, but compared to someone like Sony that's pretty much worldwide, that's huge. You want to get noticed by someone like that and say, okay, this is going to globally or, yeah, globally increase our reach, especially when they're working on a new game. But the fact that Stone, the Sony got stepped in, it just they were so focused more on money and that's what sony is all about they're all focused on money and this is not the first time that we've seen this either we've seen this with naughty dog we've i forget the other two communities that were involved but there were two other ones that were involved where they had massive layoffs pay cuts and just under development because they were so focused on what the statistics were or what the projected outcome was for the like where they should be and part of this is i think they were 45 percent underneath where they should have been, at least Bungie. According to Sony or someone from Bungie, someone from Sony, they said they were 45% below where they should have been according to some stats. That I mean, even then, that would be the that now, would be the projected range, though, that they're trying to hit. That's that's not ideal, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. It's just... And I want to add on to that, too. It wasn't by a year. They didn't give a specific indication. 45% of what? They didn't really say 45% according to upper management. So yeah, you're going to be 40% under wherever you need to be. It wasn't by the year. Witch Queen was hugely successful. You know, you've got... They didn't even mention Shadowkeep, which we're going to get into the statement of this as well. We have the full layout of this. But they didn't even... Like, Shadowkeep, all of these DLCs, they're ranking in money. People that just bought the... collect, I bought the collector's edition for it like you know i'm not gonna pass up a, i'm a destiny player i'm not gonna pass up the collector's edition <laughs> but at the same time you know i just think they could have thought about this better like monster what do you think i just i don't know it just blows me i mean they could have definitely gone gone about it differently because if they were to just like keep everyone on the team right like it hurts you if you lose people so like ideally say say that they just hired more people for covid and stuff right and they let those people go, right? That makes sense as like a big company, but at the same time, it still hurts you in the long run. It it doesn't it doesn't help anything that you're throwing more pressure on all of your your uh, other employees that like that you got to get this content out faster. You know, you can only do that because you had so many people on your team before. Exactly, <clears throat> like you had a certain number of people, and you knew what their skill sets were, so why try and divert from that like it should only be diverted from you know if obviously they had they left or they were acting malicious they got they intentionally got laid off because of it that's a whole different thing though like okay how do you how would you say it's a different thing i mean if they were being malicious and actually causing harm to the company like i don't i don't see why you wouldn't be let go versus like if you were to actually be like working hard, right, adding more content to the game, like giving it your all, putting your heart and soul into it, I mean, it seems like from from what I've seen thus far, the whole the whole Destiny community and stuff supports Destiny as a game, and the uh, creators of the game, they seem to really put their heart and soul into all the content that they make for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like it's. You can even see that a lot of the people that went to Twitter 
or now X, uh, a lot of the people that went to X now, they're talking about all of the stuff, all of the time that they invested, how how well uh, the community was built, how much they enjoy talking with the community, and all of the people are supporting them. And they're wondering, like, whoa, what's going on? Why did you just get laid off? And especially when Michael Salvatore hit, the community just went up in flames. Like, people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, and even adding on to that, you know, Pete Parsons, the CEO, made a statement about this. This isn't Bungie yet, but we're talking about Pete Parsons, which I want to get your reaction on this. I have it up on my screen here. So... From Pete Parsons on X, formerly Twitter, he said, Today is a sad day at Bungie as we say goodbye to colleagues who have all made a significant impact on our studio. What these exceptional individuals have contributed to our games and Bungie culture has been enormous and will continue to be a part of Bungie long into the future. These are truly talented people. If you have openings, I would highly recommend each and every one of them. That's just straight up him throwing them to the curb and be like, they're not needed anymore. They can go get another job because... They're useless to us. It's just... That's exactly what it sounds like. It's it's so tone-deaf to the point of you had no reason to get rid of them in the first place, so why are you... It sounds like you never cared to begin like, with. What? Exactly. Like, it, the whole thing. Bungie says they care about their people. They care about the community. But they're doing the complete opposite thing. You know, actions speak louder than words. You're going to show what they're you doing preach. They're the complete opposite show what you preach mm-hmm. exactly they're doing the complete opposite thing so what i just want to know what and i really feel like we're not going to get an answer to this like what caused upper management to do this like what caused them to just get rid of all of these people and even so we had a actual statement from bungie like from the development team themselves well this is from the destiny 2 dev team it's not from upper management keep that in mind so this one's a bit of a long one So it's, this has been one of the most difficult weeks in our studio's history as we've parted ways with people we respect and admire. We've spent this week supporting one another, including those who are at the studio, as well as friends and colleagues who no longer are. We want to acknowledge the feedback and concerns you have about Lightfall and recent seasons, as well as your response to the reveal of the final shape. We know we have lost a lot of your trust. Destiny needs to surprise and delight. We haven't done this enough, and that's going to change. To us, the path forward is clear. We need to make Final Shape an unforgettable Destiny experience. We want to build something that will be regarded alongside the best games we've ever made, a fitting culmination that honors the journey we've been on together for the past 10 years. Forsaken, Witch Queen, and Taken King. These are the standard bearers we aim to live up to. We are intensely focused on exceeding your expectations for the Final Shape. Destiny 2 has more than 650 dedicated teammates pouring all their energy and expertise into delivering this epic moment and its subsequent episodes. In the weeks ahead, you'll be hearing more from us about what's next on the short-term horizon, beginning with our next season in late November. Afterwards, we'll begin to unpack our team's bigger, bolder, and brighter vision for the final shape, as well as the bridge we plan to build to take us all out of this darkness into the light. See you, Starside, the Destiny 2 dev team. <sighs> so, bit of a long, um, bit of a long thing there. But one thing I do want to note is there's two things I want to note in this. They said we know we have lost a lot of your trust, so that means they know they're listening. 
people somebody is listening somebody cares but they're not they're not being looked at right now that's the thing they care it's not like a standard response so it's good they're saying yeah we know we screwed up like we know we fucked up and we're gonna change that and the fact that they didn't just say oh yeah we're gonna change that they're comparing it to forsaken witch queen and the they're just comparing it to their best expansions that's what they're doing it's just not a good look because what if they can't hold up to the hype if they can't hold up to the hype i see i see destiny 2 being dead that is fair. I mean, given right now, we really don't have a lot of trust. There's for no them point to trust them. There's no reason. We have no reason at all. They have. So they have to. They haven't given us any reason at all to trust them, and they keep on giving us like terrible excuses here, like uh, the whole thing with uh, the shotguns and the auto rifles. Right? They said that that would get patched. Mm-hmm. It never got patched, and then eventually. When it became more of a problem, then they patched it. It just shows that they listen to their community, but they just don't care until it becomes a real problem. That's true. But I also look at at the fact that they're comparing their three biggest DLCs, right? They're not just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to fix it. They're saying these are the three standards that we live up to. These are the ones that we noticed did the best, which means they're listening to the impact that these DLCs had. So they probably know that Lifefall was absolute trash. They probably know Shadow Keep. They probably know that was trash. Beyond Light. Curse of Osiris from the original Destiny 2 before this all came out. They know that those did trash. They didn't mention those once. They said Forsaken, Witch Queen, and the Taken King. These are the three that Rise of Iron, which was a hugely successful one, which was actually done on a whim. They were like, okay, we need to fill time for Destiny 2, which they were saying, yeah, Destiny 2 got pushed back. But rather than saying that, Here's Rise of Iron instead. Like, it, it was hugely successful. So I like the fact that they mentioned these three DLCs. It's very subtle. But it also says these are the standard bearers that they're aiming to. Like, this is what they want to achieve. I see that. Whether or not we trust them. I mean, I see that as them just saying, here's the bare minimum that we expect you to have. And we are trying to give out the best content we can. But we can't promise anything. Because... They said that, like, we lost trust in them. Clearly we did, right? We have no reason to trust them. And if they can't deliver on this next DLC, I don't see the point of continuing with this game and, like, trying to keep it alive because we're going to lose half the community here if they can't live up to expectation. That is true. I mean, I'm hoping that's not the case because I've been with Destiny for Mm -hmm. years. I've made so many friends so many people i've met i met you you were mm-hmm. one of the people i connected with over destiny i met um live zone over destiny like well not over destiny but we connected more over destiny i met a lot of my friends from england a lot of my friends from when i used to live overseas from my whole clan is from uh england shout out dead man's play <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like uh, destiny 2 has been such an amazing experience for me and i'm sure it's been an amazing experience yeah. for you so the fact that they want to be able to kill this just because of a stupid move, they have a lot to make up for. Like, this is not just some short-time thing. Like, Final Shape, another thing that we forgot to mention is this is also because of this. Final Shape, which was originally intended to come out February 2024, has now been delayed to June 2024. And that is supposed, because they're thinking about pushing it back further. And that means Marathon, the game that they were developing, got pushed to 2025. So, they're 
there's way too much chaos just going in the Bungie studio right now, and we <laughs> we all can see it. You know, upper management, I'm sure, can see it. The lower, I don't even want to call them lower ones. I'm going to just say the ones putting in the work. They're, they can see it, and us as the community, we can see it. So it's really just up to Bungie, I think, for them to say, all right, what's going on? How can we figure this? And it's up to upper management to say, all right, this is how we can appeal to Sony, and this is how we can appeal to the community. How can we mesh the two together, or who do we need to appeal to more? I mean, I see it as, like, clearly they need to appeal to their community because that's the whole reason they're making money to begin with. If they can't deliver a product, then there's no product. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just going to have to wait and see for this because they clearly have some work to put in. But with that being said, we have quite the micro, uh, macro, <laughs> megabyte segment coming up. So coming up next, we're going to have a little more positive note Heading up with everyone's favorite game of the week. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another 1-0 podcast segment. I'm your host, Next Step, the Next Step above the rest. And, you know, we back with game of the week. You know, this is the one that everyone knows. This is the segment that everyone knows. But other than the last special episode we had, this one is just going to have just our normal game of the week, you know, keeping things in routine. And this one, we have everyone's favorite Marvel hero. Well, I should say almost everyone's favorite Marvel hero. Not for me. Don't hate me. All right. (laughs) But with this game, you know, it's been coming out of release. It's more of like the expansion of the other ones that came out before. And there's been a lot of talk with this specific web slinging character. We're talking about Spider-Man 2. And this has been all the rave recently, where you have Miles Morales, you got Peter Parker, and now you have Venom as a character. Well, not a playable character, but also as a playable character, kind of. So, I think that this is a really good twist, and what I want to actually ask is, what brings, what makes this different from other Spider-Man games? I mean... For the start, right? I've seen that uh, in the old Spider-Man, people were a little upset because, um, like, you couldn't really go around the map all that well. You had to swing from building to building, get from A to B, right? But, like, now, in this Spider-Man game, you can actually just teleport. I mean, I feel like it kind of ruins the game because it ruins the, the fact that it's, like, a little more immersive if you're stuck swinging from A to B. But... I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's just a new interesting take on how Spider-Man should get around. That's true. I mean, I definitely think that the teleport feature is definitely something that ruins it. But let's be honest, if you have to try and travel everywhere and just web-sling everywhere you have to go, you're going to get a little tired of that. So it's nice, like, let's think about, um, what's a game? Uh, let's think about <laughs> Destiny once again. This is the best first one I thought of. So, you know, you have fast travel points where you're going from the top of the map to the bottom. Can you imagine having to travel all the way up to the top? And then once you're done, go all the way back to the bottom. I mean, even then you got checkpoints that. too in Destiny. Well, you have checkpoints, but let's just say you're in open world. Hmm. You're in open world, you gotta go all the way back That's up. That's true, that would kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean? Like, you're all the way up there, and then you're done with the mission, you stay there, you don't go back. You're all the way there, that means you have to web-sling all the way back to yeah. get to the next mission. But I mean, that's the so most fun part of the game, though, just the web-slinging back and forth. That's what Spider-Man does. That's his whole gimmick. 
you know? <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I've seen a lot of videos where, at least TikTok videos, where they'll have the cool overlay where you swing mm-hmm. to the beats and the music. Dude, that, I'll give you that. That one is pretty cool. I just think I would, over time, I would kind of get tired of that. <laughs> it's just your web slinging all the way to this machine. You're just trying to get it done at, like, just at that set point in time. Not, like, speed run, get it done, but, you know, go through the story. But I think the other thing, other than the teleport feature, I think I really like the fact that they included both Miles Morales and they included Peter Parker. Because in Miles Morales, you know, he was, Peter Parker was there, but the story was more focused on the development of Miles Morales and his storyline. Whereas you have other Spider-Man games that was focused on Peter Parker. So it's good to see that they're kind of clashing, which is interesting because technically Miles Morales is not supposed to be there in his universe. He's also time, like out of time. So how they built off of that, I haven't personally played it yet. I definitely want to check it out eventually. But how they're going to play off of that is really going to be interesting. I mean, I know that I know that he like he's one of the main people that are just able to like jump universes from time to time. I mean, from the movies that I've seen and stuff, I haven't specifically played uh, this game either, but in the movies and stuff, he, he is able to jump universes like whenever he wants essentially. Just he gets around, you know. Mm-hmm. He's not even the original mm-hmm. Spider-Man from his own universe. Yeah, like could that be his alternate power? Is he just breaks time? Could be. <laughs> breaks time. That would be crazy as a spot like the alter overpowered Spider-Man. And speaking of overpowered Spider-Man, let's talk a little bit about Venom. <laughs> now, we already know that Venom is a symbiote, so he's not really his own form. He has to build off of something, so he builds off of Peter Parker. And the one thing I always think of, I think it was Spider-Man two or three, where it, it was the movie where <laughs> Peter Parker was had the suit on. He's like, see you later, chump. <laughs> Jumps in the sewer and just flies down. Bro, I, the funniest thing I saw with that was a meme. Where he's like, see you later, chump. And just flies. <laughs> he just like, literally farts in the guy's face and just falls down. I'm like, yikes. <laughs> I'm like... See you, chump. What the hell? Yo, but no, I really think that Venom is a really interesting feature for this because we always have the Spider-Man signature where you just bring him up, web sling down, and just smack him onto the ground. That's in this game over and over again. And having this overpowered Venom that literally uses his body as a weapon, Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. I mean, I just think that's a really cool feature to have. You're having a villain being a playable character. That's unheard of at least for a spider-man game i mean i wouldn't say venom's necessarily a villain because he's taken many many forms in the comics and stuff and i mean he i'd call him more like an anti-hero because like i feel like he's closer to deadpool because he's definitely done some sketchy things but at the same time he's helped a lot of people while doing so Uh, okay you know what that is true because when you think about the the venom movie he kind of twists mm-hmm. to rather than just wanting to eat everyone's head. He's like, I'll eat just this guy's head. So it really he does depend that. on the host that he's taking advantage of. That is true. Because think about Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Carnage in that movie, you just want Carnage to on the other hand, he's just a bad guy. <laughs> he's just like, let all hell lose. I don't care. But I don't know. I think that this is a really good twist for the game. I think I haven't personally seen it yet, but I, I either want to play it or I'm just going to watch it. I feel like 
for me, I don't know what it is. I just haven't really been too much into the Spider-Man games. And it's nothing against Spider-Man as a whole. He's a super cool superhero. But I just... I couldn't get into it. I like watching it more than I do playing it. I mean, me personally, I'm not even able to get into it because I'm an Xbox fanboy. You know, I'm stuck on oh, I'm stuck on console on Xbox. <laughs> so even yeah. if I wanted to, you know, Sony owns that. <laughs> yeah, as much as I, as much as we just dissed Sony mm-hmm. in the last segment, I mean, so one thing that they have a hold of Xbox. <laughs> PlayStation Superior, what can I, I say? Guess so. <laughs> In this case, I mean, I really hope so. But, um, yeah, we're just going to wrap up this segment. little quick segment, touching on Spider-Man 2. Let us know what your thoughts are on Spider-Man 2. You know, this is a really hype game that's been coming out recently. Like, everyone's been talking about when Spider-Man 2 has been coming out. And now that it's here, you know, let us know your thoughts on what you think this game is. Coming up next, we have our very special, taking it back to the past, 8-Bit Endeavors. So stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another 1-0 podcast segment, and we're back with 8-Bit Endeavors, you know, we always gotta take a blast to the past, we gotta make sure we recognize those games from the past that set the future, and now, we're starting with one of my favorite topics, you know, everyone, if you know me, I'm sure you know that I am a racer, I love the track racing, I love stepping behind the wheel, and just flooring it through all these corners, through the Nürburgring, through all the like through spa and all of those tracks now we're gonna take it all the way back to the first original sim racer for playstation gran turismo and for me this is where all of it started this is where everything this is where i fell in love with my first dream car this is where all of that happened so what makes this game so different from other racing games and how does this game make racing games appealing in the first place all right well i have a super hot take um oh boy i i don't like racing games i don't like racing games at all um only racing game i've ever really played to be fair (laughs) (laughs) only racing game i've ever really played to be fair was uh was mario kart and even then i'm not really the biggest fan of mario kart mainly because like i don't really see how it could be better than something like GTA because I feel like GTA would give more content than a racing game possibly can. Like, what are you gonna what are you gonna add? Like a new map or like new cars? Like GTA's already got that covered, you know. Like I, I don't see this as as a fun game compared to what other options there are out there. I mean, I'd love to hear your take on this because uh, I know it kills you to hear uh, that. <laughs> Oh, that hurts so much. <laughs> but I mean, let me ask, all right. Let me ask this then: Would you call yourself a car guy? No. Then that makes perfect sense because let me put it this way: From a car guy standpoint, or from a non-car guy standpoint, you see a game where all you're doing is driving. All you're doing is driving around a map, trying to hit top speed as fast as you can. Mm-hmm probably risking yourself the same way you'd risk yourself on on an actual track it doesn't seem that fun Mm -hmm. to a car guy 
You're taking all of these car mods, you're pushing this machine, this piece of art to its limit on a custom track made for, you know, elevation, for turns, for trip, like turns and twists. You just sit there and you're just, like the sensation that you get from shifting through these gears and the sensation you get from just like feeling the way you, it's just you in the road. That's what it, it's just you in the road and you're going as fast as you can trying to set the fastest time like i was just dissing on speedrunners earlier now i'm gonna flip the coin because this is exactly what speedrunning is like in the real world you're just trying to get on a track and hit the fastest time that you can and if you can't do that in the real world real world this is the best place to do it but i mean personally i feel like gta still has more content than any racing game ever has because like you do have all these new cars and stuff that they keep on adding, right? And then you also got these, like, custom maps that people in the community have made that fulfill what you were just talking about, you know? You get a new map whenever you want because the community is so huge. You know, it's just... There's there's already races in GTA. I don't I don't see the point of just switching to a different racing game. You, you already got the cops in GTA. You you know, you can, you can use weapons. You can't do that in racing games. There's, I mean, that is that much. is true, but at the same time, why are you going to use a gun when you're racing? <laughs> it's more fun. There's more content. That's just as simple as that. There is more content, but I think we're comparing two different top. We're comparing two different genres. GTA is more of like a RPG style multi like massively multiplayer online game. Whereas racing games, you're more focused on trying to hit the fastest time you can and trying to race as uh, as fast as you can around a track. You're not going to need a car or you're not going to need a gun to get the fastest time. I mean, that would be very violent, but (laughs) you're not going to use a gun to get the fastest time at a track the same way that you don't need a car to win a gunfight. It's like you can't. It's two different things. I do see that there's different content levels. Like GTA, I mean, GTA is old, old. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they got decades and they have so much huge maps, everything. Gran Turismo. This is more of a long-standing series of how can people train to be the fastest driver out there? How can people learn how to drive? And this isn't just like driver testing drive. This is how can you learn your car. And this is something that a lot of people that aren't into cars don't understand. It's going to sound weird, but you have a connection with your car. You have a connection with your car. (laughs) Hear me out here. (laughs) Hear me out, all right? It sounds weird, I know. But let's just say you get your first car, right? You know, you have your first car, you're so excited to drive, and you get comfortable driving it, you know, over a month, a year. You start getting used to how this car feels. You know where you can push it, you know where you can't, you know how you can handle it around corners, what it can and can't do, how you like to polish it, what's wrong with it. Like, that's things that a car guy kind of just takes to a higher standard, but a normal person just like, oh yeah, this is, you know, it's A to B, this is what's wrong with it, but it gets me A to B. That's that's really what it is. You know your car, and if you're just hopping, like if you're going from, I don't know, from a sedan to an SUV, or a sedan to a truck, like a pickup truck, it's gonna feel so out of place because you're now from here to up here. So it's like, whoa, what what is this? So it's like, with the racing game, it's the same way. You know, you have a feel for these cars and the way you make it, the way you customize this car, the way you design it, because you can design cars like with your own livery, with your own style. It, 
you're learning how this car would function so you know in the real world it's going to function in a similar way because the thing is with gran turismo they don't play around they've been saying like all right this is i don't know this is an acura rsx this is how the car is going to feel in real life if you hit a patch of dirt it's going to spin out in this in this fashion Mm -hmm. if you take this corner at the speed this is how it's going to go same with real life you have this car you're going to say, all right, if I take this corner at this speed, this is what's going to happen. If I hit this patch of the rain, this is what's going to happen. I mean, another thing that I've noticed, too, is you said that Gran Turismo is a racing simulator, essentially, right? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I've looked before because I thought about getting into it, and then I just, you know, I settled on GTA because it just seems like a better game to me. But, I mean, I have looked for, like, racing car kind of simulator games before and i haven't really found any good ones like the main one that i found that was actually kind of decent that was more just like you know it was american truck simulator and that's more of like the most realistic kind of like simulator out there for like car wise i don't really see any better ones that are more more developed than that i think if we're talking realism well, okay. What I'm seeing is we're talking about realism on two different aspects. We're talking about realism in the real life and also realism in like a race. I mean, even then, the I haven't setting. seen realism in like either one, like necessarily. Like, I haven't really seen realism when it comes to car games in general. You know? Uh, I mean, there's quite a few of them. I mean, you have Car Mechanic Simulator where you're literally taking a whole car apart down to the lug nut. Like, that's... It's scarily accurate I mean, of how well you had to... From there, you got those games, right? But they have, like, glitches and stuff. Like, they don't look good aesthetically. Aesthetically. They don't look good. That's fair. I get... I mean, from that point, I can see that. You, a lot of the games that are out now, at least the simulators, the simulators, they don't replicate the graphics that you'd expect in real life. But I think they more focus on the mechanic of the game. So like you said, American Truck Simulator. You're going to be focusing more on how a trucker lifestyle Mm -hmm. is. What the whole journey is like from getting to point A to point B. What you're going to encounter. How you have to handle the truck. How you unload the truck. Because I'm pretty sure you're going to have to do that. At least unload it, connect it. They more focus on those aspects. Rather than like the graphical whole idea of that. So like it's the same way with um, Train Simulator. It's a game I used to play a long, long time ago. But the graphics weren't the best. It was more like 2000, 2006, 7 graphics. But there were so many buttons. It was just like, what am I doing? Like, you could hit one button, that's the horn. This was the handbrake. This engaged some other thing that you had to hit. Like, there's so many buttons that you have to hit. But it's just the mechanics function the same way as it would in real life. And that's why I'm getting to Gran Turismo. It's the same way as this. You pull the handbrake, it's going to jerk your car. You know, you turn the car violently, it's going to respond to that. And it's the same, like, Gran Turismo and even Forza. Forza Horizon, they just came out with Forza Motorsport. Now, that one is a simulator as well. And if we're talking about graphics, I really think that Forza Motorsport, Forza Motorsport, wow, they didn't focus more on the graphics. It's more like cartoonish. Whereas Gran Turismo focuses like, whoa, this car is aesthetically pleasing. So, I don't know. I think, my personal opinion, I feel like Gran Turismo is one of the best racing sims out there. 
because of the way that they had to, at least from the design standpoint, they had to drive every car that's in that game around a track to see how it feels. I mean, I feel like a lot of that just comes from nostalgia. It, it does come from nostalgia, I'm not going to lie from that, but even so, from a creation standpoint, imagine having to drive a car around a track so many times, hundreds of cars around a track, get the exhaust sound, get every feature of the car, and this isn't just like, you know, you have to make it from scratch. They're literally taking a device with a Lamborghini in the garage and scanning the entire car from the brakes to the windshield to everything the interior i haven't seen a game that has a more accurate interior for a car than gran turismo and it's incredible now if we're talking about 8-bit endeavors probably not going to be that accurate but as they develop over time <laughs> i've never seen a car where you can watch youtube in the middle of your car in a game <laughs> like that's you got a tesla that's <laughs> i mean yeah you can get a tesla but like even so that's I don't know. I just think it's so realistic. And even for an 8-bit setting, you know, they still replicate those realistic aspects. They just didn't have the technology at the time to make it graphically pleasing. I mean, regardless, I feel like I'd still play Mario Kart over a lot of other racing <laughs> games. Well, you know what? I think we're going to have to settle this on a racetrack. Either we go into Mario Kart and we go into Grand Turismo. You know, I guess so. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Oh, you don't want to say that to a racer. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to wrap up this segment and taking it from the past, we're going to blast over to the future to our Futurescape segment, so stay tuned. Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome to a segment I like to call Futurescape, where in this segment we're going to talk about a game that's going to be coming out in the future. Um, for this one, we're talking about a game called The Finals. Now, this game has been in beta from this point in time. We're still in beta. Um, it is a phenomenal game from what I've experienced so far. You have so many different things that this game is good at. You have so many different new concepts that they added to this game. Why don't you explain a little bit of those next up? See, this is an interesting game to me, too, because I, from what I've seen from this game, there's a lot of comparisons that can be made to a lot of other shooter games, but at the same time, it also brings a different dynamic to the table. So it's like Call of Duty, but if they decided to play Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> so it's like a mixture of Capture the Flag and Hardpoint, you know, two of the most prevalently, prevalently known game modes in the Call of Duty community, but with like a game show vibe, you know, you kind of get that welcome back, time to get back mm -hmm. to the arena, let's go, like that kind of vibe. And it's interesting, you don't really see a lot of games like that, you know, I wouldn't say Fortnite kind of started out like that, but you have um, Darwin Project, that's another one, uh, kind of more unheard of, but it's like you have to survive, build your own crafts, and then go for it. It's a game show. And then you have Apex, which, funny enough, LiveZone absolutely despises. I don't like Apex either, either, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, you no. too? Oh, that's crazy. I See, I don't hate Apex. I just think that it's a, a well-made game, to a degree. There's, We'll we'll talk about that one. <laughs> I, I, we got some topics on that one for sure. <laughs> but I think just comparing the finals to Apex, it brings a definite... Different, wow, words definite different dynamic to uh 
bringing that game show vibe to it. And from what I've seen in the research, it's supposed to come around, what, November, December? It said, like, late 2023. I think it was... What do you think? I believe it's November, December, something like that. Okay. Then, yeah, we should expect to be seeing it sometime soon. I think you mentioned that the beta was already mm-hmm. out, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be coming out most likely within the next couple of weeks. I mean, the main thing that I'm hyped for is this is going to be free-to-play when it comes out. Really? Yeah. Free-to-play for See, everybody. I'm loving these free... I'm loving these free-to-play games. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things that's underrated is these free-to-play because people look at free-to-play and the com- the common assumption is like, uh, it's free-to-play, probably not that good. But a lot of free-to-play games have been amazing. Look at Warframe. Warframe is one of the biggest ones that I've, at least top of my head, free-to-play. Free-to-play. Like, Fortnite. Make an account Fortnite is free-to-play. Fortnite. That's a huge one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. Fortnite, look at that. Fortnite's another free-to-play game. You just make an account and go. You've got... Uh, Overwatch now is free-to-play. Okay, yeah, you got Overwatch. I think you got what? You don't have to pay for Genshin Impact, do you? I don't, I don't think, think so. Do. It's in-game purchases, I think. Okay. So then, yeah, Genshin Impact. So you have a lot of free-to-play games that are seriously developed. And we're not talking about the scale of, you know, graphics. It's a very small game. These are games that are huge. Have you seen the map on Genshin Impact? (laughs) It's massive. And I'm sure, like, the maps on Fortnite, huge. Like, Apex, I'm pretty sure Apex Legends is free, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so, like, all of these free-to-play games, they're very underrated, but a lot of people... Uh, Valorant. Valorant's another one. A lot of these free-to-play games, they're just underrated, but also they're gaining popularity just because it's free-to-play. It's so easy to get. You don't have to go to GameStop and spend $75. There's so much just ease of use, you know? You can just throw it at someone ease and be like, use. hey, try this game out. It's great. You know? It yes. just brings up the community yeah, so just, well. Mm-hmm. Especially the fact it's just like, like you said it best, just, yo, try this game out. It's free. I think you'd like it. Yeah. That's the biggest selling point. Three ninety nine, <laughs> as my family likes to call it. You know, that's the biggest selling point right there. But um, what are some other things that you know about this game, Monster? I know there's a lot to cover. On All this right, game. so I ended up actually playing the beta, and it was so much fun. Um, so you got you got three classes. You got a light class, a medium, and a heavy class. Now, I typically like the middle ground so i mainly played medium but i did play a little bit of both of the other ones so for every class you have like different abilities or weapons right so you got the uh the small class you know the light class um you can you you can have a sniper because you're quick and agile you're like a ninja um essentially you have a grappling hook that you can have you can even get a sword as the light class i mean the, that main thing is just like you're you're light, you're agile, you have less health, yeah. But like, there's a lot of there's a lot of easy getting away from things that you're trying not to be a part of. And then you got the middle class, which is mainly like a healing class, right? So you know, if you were to pull like some Overwatch move, you can put a healing beam on your tank and just destroy people. But we'll talk about that later. Um. Anyway, so it's like a yeah. It sounds. Yeah. It's like a, uh, it's like a healing class, and uh, it has another ability where you can place down a turret, and that turret can just seek people out. Um, and then you got the heavy, which is like essentially a tank from Overwatch, right? You got more health, you got crazier abilities. 
I mean, everything is destructible in this game. So the tank, one of his main abilities is he rams into things and breaks down buildings. And he can break through walls. He even has a flamethrower. You sold me a breakdown buildings, and then when you said flamethrower, give me my money, <laughs> give me the game. I mean, personally, but, in the beta, I felt like the flamethrower was a little OP, especially if you had a healer on you. I mean, ooh. you could just destroy other teams. But even then, you know, it's a cool concept that you can destroy entire buildings and just, I mean, it's to capture the objective kind of thing. You can pick up any item, right. you can throw it, that's also another thing. You just you essentially have telekinesis with everything. You can pick up a chair and throw it across the map. Just like, boom, oh, you got the chair less. right here, right? <laughs> and then you just and then throw it at people. It does damage, and then Yo, you just shoot I'm, it from there. <clears throat> I'm going to be hitting clips with a chair, but say yeah. less. <laughs> and then you got different kinds but, of uh, like barrels and stuff that do different things. Like you have a toxic barrel, you have a bubble barrel, I think it's called or something. And the toxic barrel like makes people poisoned. You got the bubble barrel, like I was saying, that just like fills out bubbles in a certain area. So it's harder to get that area for your, your uh, opponents. You know, when you're capturing the objective, you can block it off better. And then you have like a fire barrel, which, you know, it's fire, does tick damage. And there's just a lot that this game offers, and I feel like it's just definitely going to be one of the bigger free-to-play games. See, I'm going to be honest, the first thing that sold me is when you said um, the light, medium, mm -hmm. and heavy, the first thing I thought of was Hunter, Warlock, and Titan. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like, you know? That's because you said small and agile. Yeah. That's the, the hunters. You got healers, mm -hmm. the warlocks, and then you got the person that wants to break everything. Me, Titans. Pretty accurate, <laughs> you know? <laughs> pretty accurate. And the funniest thing is when you said the bubble mm -hmm. barrel, the first thing I thought of was Super Mario Wonder, where you're trapping your <laughs> opponents in bubbles, and they're just kind of like there. I kind of... I don't expect an assassin-based game to be like that. I mean... But to be honest, that'd be kind of funny. There's also a grenade that does the same kind of concept. Where you can actually trap your opponents in, in like a little bubble thing. If you were to just throw it with someone else, it kind of makes a wall, right? So you can kind of sort of trap yeah. people in a certain area and then frag out with a uh, with an incinerary grenade and just melt them. Oh wow! There's a lot of in-depth things that you can do in this game. Seems kind of fire. No pun yeah. intended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've honestly. This is something that I might have to be looking for. I can know last time we were talking about X Defiant as another mm -hmm. free-to-play game, and this one I'm going to have to add on to that list. I mean, it's also cross-play, too. Defiant, this game is also going to be cross-play. What else could what you else want? Do you need? That's it. Cross-play. good. Cross-play, <laughs> a game that may or may not be better than Apex. I'm going to be the judge of that one. <laughs> but, I mean... I, there's other, I really I think this is a good game to look out for I think that we have a lot of different aspects to bring to the table and especially for a game that's free to play and cross play it's not something that you see in a lot of free to play games like we mentioned before so I think I'm excited to see where this game I goes I mean it doesn't end there though because Ooh. some interesting things that the game developers decided on was not only are the maps dynamic right you, they change with weather and stuff like, every game is going to be different because you may load into a game, it's going to be raining, right? Or you may load into a game, it could be the same map, but it could be sunny. Or it could be dark, you know? So there's that. And then also, the 
the voice actors, right? You got the people that like, you know, talk about the game while you're in the game because it's a whole game show. They're 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 AI. Yeah. Really? Wow. So you have AI characters hosting mm-hmm. this game show of people killing each other. That I don't know why that sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm a little I don't know. It's, I feel like there's a couple of might have been a movie I might have seen or something, but it's inter- it's an interesting mm-hmm. concept. I think I like it. I'm definitely gonna have to add this one, and I recommend that you add this too because we have a lot of games that we gotta check out coming up November. It's true. Thanks for tuning in to One O Podcast. This concludes today's episode. Be sure to follow the Consumption Network on social medias and stay updated with the latest content drops. Up next up, I'm Live Zone, and we'll, we'll see, see you on, on the, the next level. level.